and we are back to another edition of Official Word Sports Podcast. I'm Vince. I'm here with my co-host Stevie D. And really, it has been some time since our last recording. And maybe it was because we had to digest everything that took place with the NFL draft. I mean, everything just went haywire in the first hour. Stevie D, what was going on? I'm telling you, uh, it was it was an exciting draft. Um, and I think that uh, there were some real good surprises there in that first round. The kind of a couple of head scratches in there. Um, and so now that it's all done and shaken out, let, let's jump in and, and let's, uh, let's go through one through at least 32 and see uh, see how we did. Absolutely. So you know, the first pick was a no-brainer. Uh, Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury, they all said early on, you know, Kyler Murray is our guy. We all knew that they were going to draft Kyler Murray. There was no suspense, no drama. It's DVD. This bugs me. This absolutely bugs me. Why are you taking every second of every minute on the clock when you have the first pick and you know who you're taking? Soon as Roger Goodell gets up there, soon as he gets booed by all the fans in the city that's hosting the draft, soon as all that's done, the card should be in his hand. And oh, by the way, the Cardinals have take with their number one pick, Kyler Murray. Why did you have to drag it out like, huh, are they fielding trade offers? Are yes. they going to trade out? Well, they weren't fielding trade offers for number one. They were just trying to make a trade for Josh Rosen. Oh, right? you, because they knew you once think? you say Kyler Murray's the number one pick, that value goes downhill. <laughs> well, we hoped – well, you would think that they were doing that. I don't think they were doing that. I really don't. I don't have much confidence in Stephen Kim to start with. So I I don't think that they were doing that. I think they were like, we have the first pick. We're going to enjoy this moment. You know, the cameras are on us. So, you know, make it look like you're busy. Oh, by the way, you know, once this is done, we have to see what we're going to do with Rosen. I don't think so. I don't think they were taking offers at that moment. No, but I think is that I think it's to your point that they were trying to have the sun, this the sunshine on them for a full ten minutes. But I think if anything, it just showed a little dysfunction within that organization because not only did you take the whole ten minutes, you wound up trading the quarterback that you traded so many draft picks the year before, and you got basically nothing for him. So I think it just showed the dysfunction more than anything. You are absolutely right. I mean, you think about it. Here's a team that moved up in the 2018 draft to the number 10 pick to go get Josh Rosen. They moved up. So that means that they gave up draft capital. They gave up players that could help them out this year or at least could have helped them out last year, right? You bring in Rosen. Now, I, I will tell you, leading into the draft last year, I was a big Josh Rosen fan. I thought he was NFL ready. There was a knock on, on his health and whether or not he would be able to stay healthy in the NFL but as far as what he had done at UCLA, I was all in. I was all in over any of the quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, I was all in. And then he goes to Arizona, and, man, that was a horrible situation for him to be in. I mean, just horrible. Yeah, I, you're right, because after he got drafted, he kind of opened up his mouth a little bit, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so glad the Jets didn't draft him because I'm with you. I, I was high on Josh Rosen. Uh, coming out of college, and uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed. I was happy that we got Sam, but still disappointed because I really did like Josh Rosen. Same here. And then after the draft, he kind of opens his mouth. I'm like, oh, it is the immaturity. 
but then he just went to a Cardinal situation. It was just awful. It was just a weird scenario. What, what happened in Arizona uh, from the head coach? Uh, the head, well, before the head coach, it was really, you know, they have a new coach, new system in play. You got a rookie, rookie quarterback. You got no line. You got your stud running back coming off from injury. He couldn't get anything going because the line stunk. Um, and the Cardinals just had an awful year. But in the same token, then you, all of a sudden you, you fire your coach. After Which made one no year, sense. Right. Made no sense. Right. You fire the coach, and now all of a sudden you bring in a new coach that is in love with Kyler Murray. And sure, that's great that you're in love with, with, the, with that player. But it's just like now you're asking that organization to, to change again with the face of your franchise. I'm not saying Murray won't be a star. But when you trade so much to get Josh Rosen, that number one pick could have been used for another stud somewhere else to help rebuild this franchise. And now does this pick kind of hurt you where it's still going to take a couple more years extra for the Cardinals to kind of come out of this? um, One of the worst teams in football. I don't know. Absolutely. I think it will hurt. I think it will hurt the Cardinals. I I think you're spot on with that statement. Uh, Just the mere fact that, in, in a sense, it was a wasted draft pick last year. Plus, yeah. you're, you're just giving stuff away. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, go ahead. What, what I was going to do is going to add on to, to the point of it, it's like when I look at the New, the New York Jets, for example, and I can only comment on the Jets drafts, but when you think of an organization that hasn't been to the playoffs for eight years, why do you think a team hasn't gone to the playoffs for eight years? The Jets drafting during that span was abysmal. So you're drafting all these kids, first rounders, second rounders, and you're not hitting on first rounds. You're not hitting on second rounders. I mean, there was a couple, what, our 2015 draft, 2014 draft, there's like nobody left on the team from those drafts, right? And so when you have bad draft classes, it really sets your organization so far back because you're really counting on that talent that you're drafting. And so I look at the Cardinals and I say, their, 20, their 2018 draft is, is a wasted draft because you traded, you traded so much to get your quarterback. And now you change over for a new quarterback and you didn't get a chance to draft skill positions to make your organization better. And there, there's repercussions for that. That's going to happen. And it's going to take the Cardinals even much a longer time period to get out of that hole. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I was just reviewing the trade. The, the, the Cardinals, when they made that trade, they traded with the Raiders and they gave up uh, what they, the third the first, the third, and the fifth round selections, right? So you when you when you start getting to the fifth, you know, you can find talent out there, but definitely that first and third. But then you consider it a wasted pick. And look at people that they left on the board, right? You left people like Vita Vey out there. Could he help that defensive line? Yes. You left Derwin James on the board, right? We know what Derwin James did out there. You left Leighton Vander Esch on the board, and we know what he did out there, right? It, it, you could just go on and on on the players that, that are out there. You left Kelvin Ridley on the board, and we know, we already know for a fact that Larry Fitzgerald is, is going to be done after this year. You, you left DJ Moore out there. I mean, these are all players that are that are making an impact in the game. And, of course, you left my linebacker that I'm glad he's still out there or was still out there in Tremaine Edmonds. So, I mean, all of that you did, and then you fire the coach. I mean, that organization is the epitome of chaos and dysfunction. And then the fact that they parlayed 
Josh Rosen for a second round pick and really the last pick of the second round. All right, that that's or or close to the last pick, I, I should say. Uh you, you you think about that. What really what are they thinking? What are they doing in that organization? It it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's mind blowing that uh, and, and, and this happens to organizations, they lose their way. This organization has lost their way with this GM. Um, and and for the fans, I feel bad for the fans that spend all that money to get those tickets and go to the games, and they have to have a front office that's dysfunctional. And that's a dysfunctional front office. And, and I'm not trying to be dis, disrespectful to Cliff Kingsbury, but he hasn't earned that right, in my view, to be a head coach in this league yet. He couldn't win at the collegiate level. What makes him think that he's going to win at the, at the pro level? Um, and I just I feel bad for that that fan base. Um, look, Cliff can prove me wrong, but um, the the odds are against him. One because that organization is not very good. They do not have a line. They still don't have a line there. No, right. So Ky- Kyler Murray's going to be running for his life. <laughs> yeah, and and maybe he'll make more plays that way because he's going to be on the move and, and he's such an athletic quarterback <clears throat> and he can make those plays. But do they have enough talent around them to finish off and make those plays? Because David Johnson couldn't run last year. I don't think he's going to be able to run this year. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on Kyle Murray. And I, I know David Johnson saying, wait a minute, I used to be the number one pick in fantasy football. <laughs> Johnson's going to be nowhere near a, a top pick in this league anymore. So, Well, could we hear Kyler Murray saying, hey, Oakland, um, Am I still available? Can can I still sign with you guys? <laughs> well, uh, the, he can, right? He can. I mean, that was some of the – I think what the Cardinals were worried about unofficially was that uh, if his career is not going well after year two or three, he could walk away from the game and go right to baseball. And I think the Cardinals were worried about some of that bonus money. Could they recoup some of that money in the, in the rookie deal? I think that's some of the that offset language okay. that's going to be in that rookie deal, and that may hold up him signing that rookie deal, at least in a timely fashion. Yeah, right. I, I can absolutely see yeah. that. But I mean, I think outside of the first round pick, right? I don't think there's a surprise with Nick Bosa at two. Um, I, I think Nick was always going to go to to the 49ers. The thing with Nick Bosa, though, uh, no, not not the pick itself. John Lynch w- was locked in on getting Bosa. Uh, I, you know, I have some questions about Bosa, especially the injury he was coming off of when he was at Ohio State, and then he just withdrew from Ohio State and said, "I'm just going to get healthy uh, and work out and get ready for the draft." But more than that, you talk about a guy who was very active on social media. And then he goes to a place like San Francisco, right? We're talking the birthplace of Berkeley and everything else that goes on over there. I I wonder how well of a fit he will be in the community. Now we we know that winning and stats and production, you know that that solves everything. But if he, if he's having just an average year, you know, are the fans going to readily just adopt him as one of their own, or are they going to look at him and say? You know, we don't agree with your social platform, your friends and your, you know, favorites of this person and that person. Could that come back and haunt him? It only comes back to haunt him if he doesn't produce. But here's what I say. 
I'm glad the 49ers got him and not my New York Jets because <laughs> I don't want anything to do with a player from Ohio State. Um, and I just have Vernon Golston in my head. Uh, is he the next Vernon Golston? I don't care that his brother's a stud. Um, this guy is also was injured in college. Um, and so I'm, I'm just glad that um, he, he didn't he didn't fall to the Jets at three. Moving to three. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> I you didn't know. know we were going there that fast. Hold uh, on a second. Hold on a second. Well, I appreciate and with the third pick in the 2019 draft, the New York Jets select Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, Alabama. Ooh, Josh, Josh Allen is still on the board. Uh, you know, and I said it, I, I wanted Josh Allen in our mock draft. I had the Jets picking Josh Allen. I really like Josh Allen. Yes, it was a risk. There's risk with Josh Allen, sure. Quinton Williams, the safe pick. Quinton Williams is a stud on the field and off the field. I can see Quinton Williams doing amazing things in the tri-state area. Uh, helping kids and families. He's just a solid, solid man. And and so I, I think from an all-around person, you couldn't ask for a better guy. Could not ask for a better guy. It's just, I just thought the Jets really could have used more of an edge rusher with that pick than a guy in the middle. But then when I look at the Jets defense with Jamal Adams, C.J. Mosley, and now you got the, Leonard, the, the Williams boys up front, that's not a bad deal either, right? And and so, a uh, safe pick by the Jets. I got I got no problem with it. Uh, at the end of the day, after I digested it, um, I thought it was a good pick. But then, oh, hold on, hold on. The only thing that I will say about Quinnen Williams, he has all the physical attributes and traits that you look for uh, from a defensive tackle, and then some. Right, he's faster than anybody that I've that that was at the combine at that position, that size that weight but you know i'm always a little worried about the big guys with braces you know are are you really wearing braces because you're more hollywood you're you want to get into tv and acting are are you really going to dedicate yourself to football you know that that could make that that pick very questionable and leaving a guy like josh allen on the board to go get you know a guy with braces I think the Jets were still afraid of the last time they, they, they picked somebody from Kentucky. Another first-round butts by the New York Jets and Dwayne Robertson. So I, I don't think they wanted anything to do with Kentucky. So the braces had nothing to do. I'm just no, messing, no, I'm just no, messing no. around. I know y'all. I know this y'all. kid is a flat-out stud, and I'm going to tell you, I am worried. I was worried when you made the pick, and I will be worried for two games every year, probably for the next 10 years. So, yes, okay. I digress. Yeah. That leads us to the number four pick. And, and you know what the number four pick? Everybody is waiting for this number four pick because this is, we are talking the Raiders. We're talking about the silver and black. We're, We're talking, talking about Josh huh? Allen. We're talking Josh Allen would be great to replace, as an Ed Rusher. To replace Khalil Mack, right? The the rookie, former rookie of the year, the former AFC defensive player of the year. We're we're talking John Gruden. We're talking Mike Mayock, right? Mike Mayock replaced Mel Kuyper as the all-knowing draft expert. 
Are you ready for this one? The Raiders select Ceylon Farrell. Now, hold on. Hold on. Before, before you start to question anything, and I know Eric Reed was talking about how many times he was being tested last year. Uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock. You on drugs? You're taking Ceylon Farrell at number four? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The kid's a stud. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Very nice player. But he wasn't the best player at Clemson on that defensive line. What are they thinking? You know, it, it's one of those, if he turns out, they're going to look like they knew what they were doing. But if he doesn't, oh, <laughs> boy. Because you're talking about a guy whose overall rank was probably low first round, right? Yes, yes. Right. And so you're, you're moving up at number four. You better see – you must be really see something that other people aren't seeing to pick this guy at four. So – uh, you see this from time to time where a guy moves up. I, I, well, well, we're going to be talking about it here in a couple of picks where, uh, you know, people move up too high and you're just like, wow, it just doesn't make sense. So only time will tell for the Raiders. Uh, but on the outset, when they picked that, I have to be honest with you, I laughed. I laughed when I, when I saw the pick come through. Uh, oh. I was just like, what, 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 is he, what are they doing over there? So I laughed as well, and then I got excited because all of a sudden, uh-oh, this changes the board. And this changes it for the for the better for my Buffalo Bills. But I'll tell you one thing about about Mike Mayock in in this pick. And so the statement had come out after the draft, and they said if Mike Mayock was still with NFL Network and had started to hype up Ceiling Farrell and said, "Oh, you know this guy is great. I have him ranked number three on my board or number two on my board for defensive end and yada yada yada," I could see him going to the Raiders. And then the Raiders made that pick. The statement came out that everybody would be okay with that pick. Uh, no, I don't agree. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't agree with all of the talent that was on that board and talent at the edge rush position and talent on the defensive line position. That was a bad pick. He may turn out to be good. It was still a bad pick. But, Mike. Mayak and John Gruden know what they're doing. We'll see. We'll see. The 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 next no brainer came off the board for the Bucks. They went with Devin White. They Great had pick. they they had to get a linebacker. They got the best linebacker out there, in my opinion. Uh, you, there were two Devins, right? Devin Bush and Devin White. They went with Devin White. I, he he fills every need. He he steps into a role that was recently vacated. He'll be a day one starter. Sol- solid pick. Solid pick. And then the big blue wrecking crew, they are up. Stevie D, can you talk to Mr. Dave Gettleman and, and tell us what, what he's thinking with this pick number six? Well, I, I think what he's thinking is that um, – that the teams were beating down the door to get this player, that, that he was going to be the best quarterback in the draft. And they really felt that they had to take him at six, not at 17, not at pick whatever 40, not pick 60, not pick 94, but they had to get this guy at six because he was such a hot commodity that 
that somebody was going to take him um, here in the top 10, and, and, and they went ahead and picked uh, Daniel Jones from Duke. <laughs> and if you can tell from my, my, my voice, it, it, it's kind of like, huh? It's almost like it kind of takes you back to the 95 draft. Being in, in, the, in, the, in the spring break, and I think you got a clip of this somewhere. I think we have a clip of this. And I remember being in the hotel room, and I'm chanting Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp for the New York Jets. And the Jets take Kyle Brady. It was kind of one of those moments with the draft. Don't you like the It really reminds me of that draft. I, I, I'm joking aside. It really does because I look at Daniel Jones. I'm like, it's like, who? Like, yes, we all heard Daniel Jones and, and Locke, Locke and, and we heard Hastings and we've heard Kyle Murray. So it's not like we never heard of the quarterback, but you really sit back and say, what? It's almost like, what? Like you could have Daniel Jones in the second round. You could probably gotten him in the third round, but to, to such a, and I, and, and people say, well, if that's the guy you really believe is going to lead your team, what does it matter when you take him? Yes, it does matter when you take him. one, you're going to pay him way too much money for what you're going to get in return early on. Cause I don't believe in, in Daniel Jones from Duke. They, I, I they really say, don't. They say he's going to sit. So even better yet to me, what's, what's interesting is so, so, you're telling me that, in all honesty, at, you couldn't have taken him at 17? I mean, like oh, the oh, other oh, teams oh. are faking him out. Like the Redskins are faking everybody out and, and are going to take Daniel Jones over Haskins. I'll tell really? you one better. You traded back into the draft to the 30th pick. And we'll talk about that. But you traded back to the end of the draft. You could have traded back. Back into the first round for that pick to get Daniel Jones. He was not going. Yeah. He would Denver. Well, you know, we're we're foreshadowing, but Denver already said who they liked at quarterback. They stopped looking at everybody else. So we knew that. The only teams you had to worry about were the Dolphins and the Bengals. Those are the only two teams. Because you knew if, the Redskins were gonna take Haskins. You knew the Redskins were gonna take Haskins. And really, the only team that I would worry about for uh, taking a quarterback would be the Dolphins in the first round. The Bengals aren't taking a quarterback in the first round, right? They already have Andy Dalton. If they get a quarterback, they're going to get a quarterback in the second or third round, somebody that they can groom to be the replacement. Not take him in the first round to be at that high of a pick to be a day one starter. That's just not happening. Now, yes, the Dolphins... You know, they were in need. Now, whether or not they were in love with Daniel Jones, I don't believe so. You know, I've listened to a lot of the experts that are out there, and they said that, you know, Daniel Jones it has a lot of work to, you know, to, you know, to be NFL ready. But at the end of the day, the Daniel Jones pick boiled down to one thing, the Manning Passing Academy. That's it. That is it. They were locked and sold on the fact that that Eli and Peyton and Archie and whoever Manning you want to put in there was so in love with uh, with Daniel Jones and said that he was going to be a great quarterback that they said that they had to get him and they were afraid. Do you know what – I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Do you know 
When's the last time the New York Giants selected a quarterback from Duke? Do you remember the who that was? Who 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 might that be? Dave Brown. Giant yeah. fans, do you remember Dave Brown? Because if you blink, you wouldn't remember him. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is an awful pick by Gettleman. Um, and, and maybe he'll prove me wrong in, in five years from now. I just think this was an awful pick at that time. You could have gotten them traded back in, like you said, at the 30th pick. Heck, you could have picked them up at 17 with the pick you got from the Browns. To pick him at six? Oh, man, that's just that's nuts. But I'm going to go there, Stevie D. I'm going to go there. Don't do it. I, I'm going there. Don't when wait. when you look at the quarterbacks that were selected in the first round, you had Kyler Murray, so we knew he was going one. So then it really became who was going to go number two. Was it going to be Drew Locke? Was it Dwayne Haskins? And, and you knew the Redskins needed a quarterback, right? I, they are decimated by injuries of what happened to Alex Smith, and they really don't have uh, a, a suitable backup. I mean, you could throw whatever uh, journeyman quarterback quarterback in there. But did the Giants really think about Dwayne Haskins? That's the question. No, I don't, and, think, I don't think they did. I, I don't think they did. I don't um, think they did either. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think they did for a particular reason. Yeah, well, we talked about this. Um, and, and, and we talked about this. Um, and honestly, where I first heard it from was from the Michael K show on ESPN radio is where, where I heard this first. Yeah. And, and his name was Peter... Uh, I think Rosenberg um, kind of brought it up and said there was no way the Giants were taking a black quarterback. Yeah. And I'm going to ad lib here. Um, they said they they just weren't going to take one. And then Michael Kay was like, if you really think that the Giants wouldn't take a black quarterback, um, you're crazy. They're going to take the best player that they believe is the quarterback for the team. And Peter just totally disagreed. And, and I, I think I agree with Peter's argument. Um, when you look at the history of the, of the of the Giants, and 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 race comes into play in that organization, um, in their history, they've had only um, one black quarterback start a game in their history, and that was Geno Smith, that one game that Eli got benched, right? So there, there's there's signals, and they made it sound like the fan base, uh, the fan base was very outspoken um, on Colin Kaepernick from what they did on the uh, that ESPN show. Um, where fans uh, wrote were, uh, wrote a lot of letters to Tamara, the, the owner, and saying, do not bring in Colin Kaepernick here, and that he listens to his fan base. And so the rumblings around, you know, the Giants, you know, fan base, was that they better not take Dwayne Haskins. And so that now you brought up demanding passing camp, so that could be, you know, a legitimate reason why they took Daniel Jones. But I, I don't think that Dwayne Haskins was on that radar. For the for the Giants at all, which I think Dwayne Haskins is a much better quarterback. And, and to take it a step further, you know, when you look at Dwayne Haskins, he had fifty touchdown passes to eight picks, right? And yes, you can say he had talent talent players around him, and that's why he did so well. And if you look at Daniel Jones's number numbers, they weren't as good because he doesn't have as many great players. Daniel Bl- Jones, maybe to me, played in the same type of talent conference as Dwayne Haskins. So I, I'm not going to say that Dwayne Haskins played uh, any stiffer competition or any weaker competition, right? And I don't think Daniel Jones played I, 
to me, when they when they rank the competition, I just look at it and say, Daniel Jones didn't have an easier path or or had less talent around him. To me, Dwayne Haskins just it's just a flat out much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Daniel Jones. I just don't think he can handle hold a candle to Dwayne Haskins. And I think the Giants are going to feel this pick in years to come. And they're sure. going to look back at this draft and says, our, our GM screwed up. Absolutely. Because to me, I, I honestly, I think I like Dwayne Haskins a little bit more than Kyle Murray, just because with Kyle Murray, I'm not sold on that. He's all in on, on football. I have to be honest with you. I just don't know if he's all, all in. I, I just, I just, there's a lot of Dwayne Haskins that, that I love. I, I love his size. He's got a great size, 6'3", 231. Love it. I don't like Kyle Murray at 5'10". I, I think when we look back at this draft, Haskins is going to be the deal. He's going to be I, the guy that everybody says this was the quarterback of that draft class. Well, and, and I think he has a little bit more around him day one than what Kyler Murray does. And, and we already talked about yeah. what Arizona did. So they're they're really playing from behind, right, to try to catch up to bring in quality players around Kyler Murray, where Haskins has an established team, right? They Now they're just kind of filling in some pieces. And so, you know, they, they were a playoff contending team until the Alex Smith injury, a division, right. a division so, winning or leading team until right. the injury. And we all know that when you bring in a quarterback, it's about the system and the players around them that makes that quarterback really that good. Because, look, you get drafted in the NFL, you got talent, okay? You got talent. There is something that people saw in you, whether you're a first-round pick or a seventh-round pick or an undrafted mm-hmm. pick, right? You got I, talent. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Well, yeah, with Tom Brady, right? Sixth-round pick, right? Uh, he, I'm Aaron Maven, first-round pick. No, but what I'm saying is, yes, but you have talent coming in the league. Well, I'm talking about the quarterback role, okay. right? Because okay. I, I got Vernon Golston. I, I believe me, I got a lot longer list than you do, okay? A uh, much longer list. But what I'm saying from a quarterback position is you got talented, you, you got drafted, you had talent. But your talent is is only going to be as good as the coaches around you, the scheme sure, that they put in. Sure. We talked about this a thousand times. Sure. And so, absolutely, I agree that Haskins is, is in a much better spot than Kyle Murray. But I also think that Dwayne Haskins, though his 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 size and everything, I think he's he's just I think going to be a better quarterback. Well, he's he's definitely a better passer. Uh, I I think he can make all the throws. He's got a cannon, um, and everybody always wants to associate the black quarterback as being the athletic mobile quarterback. Well, that's not really Dwayne Haskins, right? Dwayne Haskins Dwayne Haskins is that. Uh, stand in the pocket and deliver the ball, right? And, and I think for the Washington Redskins, he he's going to put up some numbers uh, when he when he gets the opportunity. You know whether or not Daniel Jones will turn out to be a great pick. Only time will tell. You got rid of what would have been his number one wide receiver, so he do, he doesn't have you know the Odell Beckham of the world with a catch radius out of this world to be able to snag everything it's going to it's going to take some time it will absolutely take some time stevie d christmas came early for the jacksonville jaguars the team that had one of the best defenses in the league a team that found themselves drafting number seven and is looking to say huh who do we select right because i know they didn't think that things were going to fall their way 
And when you have teams like the Raiders taking Salem Farrell and the Giants taking Daniel Jones, all of a sudden that draft board opens up. Well, I, mean, I don't know it, if you yeah, but I don't know if you heard this though, Vince. Did you hear this? That once the Giants pick, the Jaguars actually had their pick in right behind the Giants. There was going to be no time. The NFL said, look to Jacksonville. Hey, hey, we got to slow this down. We got to give the NFL Network some time to talk about Daniel Jones before we announce your pick. So they slowed it down. I mean, Jacksonville ran to the podium. They're like, are you kidding me? It's like you said, Christmas come early. They, they couldn't wait to get Josh Allen. And here's the funny thing. When we did our mock drafts and everything else, right, we had we had Jacksonville going for offensive tackle. You look at their yeah. needs. They need a tight end. They need a guard. They need a tackle. They were like, uh, no, <laughs> I'll pass on all of that. And they ran and got Josh Allen. You talk about the rich getting richer. That defense is loaded. Yeah, right. When you think about it, yeah, and they, but they also found the replacement for, like, Dante Fallio Jr., right? Yeah, yes. Yes, coming right off the edge, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that – and now I have to tell you, as a Buffalo Bills fan, after the Daniel Jones pick, I'm thinking, oh, boy, I'm going to get who I want, right? Because I, I really was not considering any of the guys that had been selected. And and all of a sudden, I'm looking. I got – well, first, at one point, I thought I had Josh Allen. Okay, he's gone. No problem. I still got the tight end out of Iowa, Hawkinson, and I got Ed Oliver. I'm like, oh, and of course, in the back of my mind, I got DK Metcalf. So <laughs> I'm just waiting. But either way, I was going to get somebody who who was really going to make an impact. So the Lions come up, and the Lions take TJ Hawkinson, which really was not a surprise. They they needed a tight end there, and and they went and they got the best tight end in the draft in TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, that's a solid pick. It's, it's too bad he's got Matthew Stafford throwing in the football. <laughs> and then comes the number nine pick. And I got to tell you, Stevie D, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm actually contemplating, well, as if I was the GM, right? If, I, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm contemplating trading back. I really wow. am. I, I am. I kid you not. I'm like, okay, I'll pass on Oliver. After I just went through that whole thing talking about how all my guys are there, but I'll pass on Oliver because there's still studs on the board. And if Washington wants to go get Haskins, they can go get him at nine. But I didn't get that call. So, okay, I go and I get Ed Oliver, the second best on the board defensive tackle, but the kid's got a motor. He's top tier. He fills the void because Kyle Williams retired. He makes my defensive line stout up the middle. He's got the speed. He's got the power to push the pocket. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. And then comes number 10. The Denver Broncos are on the clock. And Denver decides. You know what? trade card is in. Yeah, it is. It is. And the commissioner comes up and says, we have a trade. And with that trade, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the team who never moves up or moves back, <laughs> they stay put where, wherever they are in the draft. And the Steelers go and they grab the replacement for Ryan Shazier. That was one heck of a pick. I applaud the Steelers for making the move. Devin Bush, linebacker from Michigan. Great move. 
Solid and, pick right there. Solid, solid pick. And by the way, Stevie D, for all of our listeners, if you have not seen it, I, I almost sometimes on a, on a weekly basis, I go back and I watch the video of Ryan Shazier. I, I applaud him with everything. I, I can't get enough of watching Ryan Shazier make a almost a full comeback. I know he said he wanted to play. That's not going to happen. But, I, you know, that being his goal and to see where he is, it's incredible. Stevie D, standing jump at least four feet off the ground. Yeah, it, it, it's – it's. Uh... I can't jump four inches off the ground. <laughs> It, it's this a tearjerker. It is a tearjerker. You know, it, you know, um, Dennis Byrne um, was one of my favorites growing up and watched him get paralyzed and watched that story of him walking again. And and then this, and it just happens to Ryan Shazier and so young, like Dennis was and to fight and battle and crawl and Think about the struggles that he had to go through, realizing your football career. I know he wants to come back to football, but at the end of the day, you know you're probably not going to play again, right? And, and, you know, you can go two ways with it. You can will on self-pity and do self-destruction, or you cannot let that that injury define you and beat all the odds, and he has done that. And, and to see him get married and dancing, it, it's a, it's a great story. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised one day it turns into a movie because he's an inspiration for, for people that have severe injuries to, you know what, to keep fighting, keep battling, believe in yourself, work hard, and, and you can make the impossible happen. And, and great, great for him. Great story. And, and I know you brought up Dennis Bird. I, I, I want to touch on, and it's a shame that it's happened to both of our franchises, but I want to bring up Kevin Everett. Because Kevin Everett, I, I believe it was on a kick return. Uh, oh, yeah. Ended up being paralyzed right there on the field. They were able to provide the aid right there, you know, in front of, you know, 77,000 strong um, to be able to stabilize his body. And it was at the time I was hearing that this was like, cutting edge type medical technology or, or something along those lines. Uh, but it was a new practice. Uh, and now Kevin Everett is, is walking without a cane uh, and being able to, of course, he doesn't have his same playing career and playing, you know, being able to play athletic competition, but he's able to walk it and to continue life, a normal life. And, and so I'm not all up to speed as far as, what was done at the time for Ryan Shazier. But I know that when you look in sports, they're always trying to do things uh, at cutting edge to save the athletes. And, and what they did for Kevin Everett, maybe that's what they did for Ryan Shazier. But at the end of the day, more than that, it, it's what's between the ears to see the, the progress and the determination and the will that these guys have so that they can make these full recoveries. It's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, Stevie D, then the rest of the draft kind of went chalk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not to really, uh, you know, go too too crazy, but, there, you know, there's always teams that take a player that you're like, wait, huh? <laughs> and then you're wondering why some players – 
aren't being taken at all, right? I, I think some of the some of the great picks, though, out of the first round that really stood out to me after the top 10. I really like the Brian Burns pick for Carolina. Brian Burns, a defensive end linebacker from Florida State. High motor, uh, is just relentless, and he's going to go there, and he's going to fill a void that they've had since really Julius Peppers was in his heyday. I think I look for really big things for Brian Burns there. Yeah, I think one of my favorite picks of the first round um, was Montez Sweat. Um, at number 26 for Mississippi State, went, went to the Redskins. Yes. I, I think he got a little bit of a raw deal. You know, that typical draft day BS that comes out about players. and I hate and, that. And, and had, yeah. And, and I think that cost him at 26. But Let's I talk about that, that for a second, though, Stevie D. Yeah. Because what happened, remember, for those that don't know what, what Stevie D was talking about, at the combine, you go through all of your tests, right? They they check not only how fast you can run and how much you can bench press, but they you know they check how big your hands are and, and all of this, and then they put you through medical tests. And coming out of the medical tests, they said that Montez Sweat had an issue with his heart, and instantly red flags went up across the league. And you're talking about a guy that was a top ten pick. And now all of a sudden he starts dropping once this report comes out. It didn't come out right away either. It came out, what, like a week, two weeks prior to the draft? And all of a sudden he starts dropping down boards and dropping. And then all of a sudden you get the, well, we're sorry. We we were kind of misinformed, everybody. All right. I, I, I hate that as well. It, it's, 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 it's despicable, deplorable. That, um, that honestly, it could have been a lot worse for him, right? But we're still lucky he got drafted in the first round, 26th overall. But you know, you don't know how far that could have been. It could have been all the way down to a second or third round pick where people are afraid to take that shot on the guy. But what I don't understand is, is where is it was where is the HIPAA rules ah. that come into play, right? Right? I mean, no seriousness when, when you're talking about a person's health. Why is that public knowledge? Nobody has the right to know about his private. If there was something wrong, we don't have that right. I don't. It's fans, right? Yeah. Do the teams have the right to 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 understand what they're going to get when they draft a player? When you go through all these tests, sure. But that should never be made public public knowledge. I agree. And where where are people being held accountable to that when you're talking about? And I don't think. You know, with the anti the antitrust or collective bargain agreement or whatever it's called, uh, with, with with the 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 laws of, of uh, that citizens have to follow, like you and I fall underneath, you know, HIPAA, where our medical records cannot be disclosed. But maybe the NFL players are not uh, subject to the same rules that we are because of the way the NFL works. But well, I'll tell you, when, when you look at some of the other sports, especially hockey. Hockey is the best for this, right? A guy gets hurt. Only thing you get is it's a lower body injury. It's an upper body injury. You have no idea. Now, on two fronts, it's great, right? On one, from a competitive side, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with my guy so that when he comes back, you can, you know, kind of key on that part of the body. I'm just not going to do that. But also, it's good because, just like you said, from a HIPAA and from a privacy perspective, we the fans don't need to know 
that, you know, the, the guy has, you know, a torn ACL or torn MCL or Achilles. We don't need to know that. That that's and especially once you start talking about heart conditions or family diseases or something along those lines, something that's genetic. We don't need to know that. It was terrible. And what's even worse is that it impacted his, his draft position, potentially, yeah. potentially his draft position. There, there were some other ones. You, you had uh, Hollywood Brown uh, from Oklahoma going to Baltimore. Uh, obviously, that, that was a need for Baltimore with the loss of John Brown. And really, Baltimore hasn't had a solid uh, receiver since, what, Steve Smith maybe? So, right, and that was at the end of his career, though. He's, he still put up some decent numbers over there. True. Uh, um, I, I like to pick with the Raiders with, with uh, Jonathan Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State. I thought it was a solid pick by the Raiders. I know we give the Raiders a bunch of crap, but I still thought it was a solid pick, best safety in the draft. Uh, so I thought they got stronger on the back end with him. They did. They did. And, and the one that I like, and I hate to say that I like it, the Patriots found a gym. And taking Nikhil Harry, wide receiver, Arizona State. Now, of course, anybody who who watches anything on Nikhil Harry uh, will know about his, his the amazing catch that he had. But you're talking about a big, physical, strong, fast wide receiver. I mean, he has all the attributes that you know to be a beast on the field. Uh, and it was a great pick. It was almost a steal since you had some wide receivers coming off the board. Uh, it was a great pick for the for the Patriots, and they they got him with the thirty second pick. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and then you kind of head into the second round with that. I thought the Cardinals did good with with Byron Murphy, um, corner out of, out of Washington. Um, I think he's going to be a nickel corner, but. Uh, at least to start off that way as he as he grows and develops. But uh, I thought it was a solid pick by the Cardinals with at the 33rd pick. Yes, yes. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, when, when I look at that second round, Stevie D, I'm, I'm thinking, why hasn't my guy been taken? <laughs> and my guy I'm talking about is DK Metcalf. I, I really was hoping Buffalo would trade back into the first round to get DK Metcalf. Then I was hoping Buffalo would trade up into the second round to get DK Metcalf and my bills do make a trade. They jump from 40 to 38 and I know what's coming. I can't wait. And the bills select offensive tackle Cody Ford. Again, I can't be mad. I can't. The kid is is a first round tackle that slipped to the second round and you're getting him and you are aggressive to get him because at all all reports are that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were drafted 39, were all set to make Cody Ford their pick. I thought that was a great move and a great pick. But still, DK Metcalf is on the board. You know, one of my favorite names in the draft is Debo. Debo Samuel. I just think of the movie, man. I just think of Debo. From, yeah, absolutely, right? And But when you think of – and I'm, I'm poking fun um, at the name. It's a great name. But when you look at DK Metcalf, I mean, if you look at it, you had Debo Samuel. You had the guy, Harry, at the, the last pick of the first round by the Patriots. Then you got Debo Samuel. You got his boy, A.J. Brown, 
got picked ahead of him. I mean, there were some uh, Nicole Hardman, um, yeah, Whiteside from Stanford, yeah. all I've got picked. Whiteside. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Paris Campbell, Ohio State, Andy Isabella from UMass. It's all all these wide receivers get picked behind DK ahead of DK Metcalf. So it, you're like it, saying, what what really happened here? Why did he really fall that far down? I I think it was the injury uh, that kind of sidelined him the rest of his what was that his redshirt sophomore year. I think it was the injury, and also I think a little bit had to do with his cone time. Now this is the craziest thing because when you look at his forty yard dash, when everybody's in love with the forty yard dash. He runs a 4-3-3, blazing fast, right? You look at his 10-yard split, 1-4-5, that's good. But this three-cone time, he ran a, he did a, seven, a 7.38, which they compared it to Tom Brady, who did it uh, in at, when he was at the Combine. He did it in like 7.06 or something like that. So Brady was actually faster at the three-cone time. And so I think it was a combination – of of the and I think there's more to it, but I think it was a combination of the neck injury that he had. I think it was the cone time that he had, and then I do think that something that went into it was the fact that he wasn't the number one receiver at Mississippi, right? AJ Brown was the number one receiver, and, and then he was number two, and I think that caused him to fall. And maybe what we talked about, Stevie D, was the fact that. Everybody's afraid of the the David Boston experience. Well, I, I <laughs> yeah, you know, and I hate to put it on the kid because I don't know much about him. Um, I, I hope that's not the case. Um, look, when you, you get too muscular, injuries can happen a lot faster. I, I think there there's something to being too muscular um, when you're playing sports that can hurt you where you become injury prone. So perhaps it's more of that's the reason why and not so much of the David – see, they, to me, David Boston was more concerned into weightlifting than he was playing his, doing his craft. Because when David Boston came in, he, he, was, he was a stud. He was. I mean, he, he had some big-time years. And then all of a sudden, it was just like he got so into the bodybuilding, almost like LaRon Landry uh, back in the day. Uh, right. Well, not that, 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 that far back in the day, but – in the early 2000s where he got so large and then he had to be, because they were so, they were into bodybuilding, not into football at that point. So uh, I hope that's not the case. I hope, I hope the, I hope DK proves everybody wrong and, and proves that he should have been a first round pick and not, not an end of a second round pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, only time will tell the good thing for, for DK, a Pete Carroll loves him. If <laughs> we saw the picture of Pete Carroll taking off his shirt, trying to compare his physique <laughs> to DK Metcalf, Pete Carroll loves him. The fact that Russell Wilson is going to be there, and Russell Wilson will definitely find him. And the fact that Doug Baldwin may be calling it a career, and if so, DK is going to move right into that starting lineup. Yeah, it's a shame about Doug Baldwin. I'm glad you brought up his name um, because it, it is a – it, it is a shame that he may never play again. Um, good, good guy, a re- really good football guy. But changing gears a little bit here, um, I, I can't. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about John Elway and his quest to find another quarterback. 
Uh, right, he trade he trades Case Keenum, which is probably the right move. He he really didn't do much in his one year in Denver, um, and so he goes out and gets uh, you know he trades for um, uh, Flacco uh, for Baltimore, and Flacco saying there's no need to waste a draft pick. Uh, I'm the quarterback here. Blah blah blah. And they go ahead, and I believe they did they trade up. Was that a trade up? They um, they they did do some trading to get yeah. to to that spot. Yeah. So and then at forty two, they takes Drew Lock. You know, it's interesting uh, about Drew Lock. I, I think he's got a lot of potential. I just don't know if it will will come to fruition um, there in Denver. But now I I had you know, on a side note, I had a couple surprises from the draft. Um, and when we had Sean Barber on and we were going over some of the players, I brought up two guys that I just knew were going to get drafted. And those were two guys out of University of Buffalo. I'm talking about Anthony Johnson, the wide receiver, uh, a flat-out stud for University of Buffalo, flat-out stud. And unfortunately, he went through all the rounds and did not hear his name called. And that was a shock to me. And then here again, here I go again as a Buffalo fan, Sign him as an undrafted free agent, right? But he ended up signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and, and I hope that he does get good run there. The other one was the quarterback. And I had mentioned him as well. And, and that's Tyree Jackson. Now, Tyree is interesting because he has all of the traits of Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback. He's got the height. He's got the arm strength. And he's got the knock on him that he's a little raw uh, and he, he's not a precision passer, if you will. Uh, but he he definitely has the ability to be an NFL quarterback. And heading into the draft, all the talk was, you know, at first there was talk that he potentially could go in the first round, which nobody thought really was going to happen. But it, it kind of settled in as a day three, right? You, you thought that he'd be a third round pick. And then, well, maybe a fourth round pick. It, then, well, just get drafted, <laughs> and that didn't happen. But Buffalo went out and they signed him as a as a undrafted free agent, which I think is a good move, right? Because when you have two quarterbacks, same size, same ability, same same everything, it, it it'll bode well for Tyree to be in that system to learn, and he may get a shot to be the backup quarterback, and, and that'll be great for Buffalo because you don't have to change the system if down the line, you know, something were to happen to Josh Allen, it's almost plug-and-play with Tyree Jackson. Yeah, I did. That was a great uh, undrafted uh, free agent signing by uh, by Buffalo. And he's a Buffalo kid, right? I mean, does it get any better for him? Yeah, yeah. Go UB Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go UB Bulls. So, CVD, that, that's going to wrap up our draft coverage if you will uh again a lot of surprises not a lot of trades in the in the first half but the the back half of the first round there there are trades going on left and right uh which does make for some exciting times uh and and now it's just you know now it's the countdown to to training camp right that that's what we're waiting for you know let's get through all these voluntary and involuntary and mandatory and not mandatory. Let's get through all that. Let's get to the true mandatory training camp so we can start those pads on, start hearing some cracking, and get ready for opening day. Yes. Yes. Well said. Well said, my man. Well said. 
Now, Stevie D, uh, one thing that I do have to say is with a heavy heart that I wanted to dedicate this show to my cousin, uh, Leslie Johnson, who passed away uh, this past week. Um, loved her dearly, and I'm going to miss her. The whole family's going to miss her. So certainly wanted to dedicate this show to her in her memory. Absolutely. And uh, I've gotten to know Leslie through the years. She's opened up her home for me for holidays when my when I lived down there in Tampa. And uh, again, uh, sorry to hear about your loss. And and, and for the whole family, um, she was a sweet, sweet um, young lady, although she, I think she was a little bit older than me. But um, and uh, and. Uh, Rest in peace. Thank you. Thank you. So that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Again, you can always catch us on all of the major social media platforms, uh, starting with Wanna Follow, uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, And then, of course, you can always catch our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. So we're out there. And, of course, anchor.fm. And always, you can go to our website, officialwordsports.com. So I'm Vince. I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.